Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Make sure to rate and subscribe while we read the menu because we're watching Season 6, Episode 12, The Double Meat Palace. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. We have a special guest this week, Donna Almandrala. Donna, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm hiding on the internet, um, but I guess Mad Macaques is still my handle. Appearing on a podcast is not a good way to hide, except for, you know, maybe this podcast is actually pretty, pretty low key. <laughs> no one will spell it. No one will be able to spell it. It's fine. <laughs> we are not providing the spelling. Uh, why doesn't everyone else introduce yourself uh, with your go to fast food order? Hi, my name's John. Uh, I tend to order the chicken. Uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna eat fast food, go for the chicken. That's, Give me that's the what chicken. I do. Not not that that's really you know any way better than health or ethically or in any way. Hi, my name is Travis, and um, I'll usually order either the quarter pounder or a Big Mac, and uh, usually so burgers for me. My name is Mike. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode 12, Double Meat Palace, and my go-to order is a Mexican pizza. Uh, any of the deep-fried uh, Mexican options, please. Oh. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm in a country with, that, as far as I know, has like one Taco Bell within uh, any kind of distance of here. Uh, they've just recently gotten Taco Bell in Croydon. Uh, <laughs> in Croydon? Oh, that's so <laughs> close. Uh, Croydon actually is, I'm not too far from Croydon. Technically, which, uh, I'm in Croydon. Which uh, stone circle but, is that close to? Uh, <laughs> uh Croydon's a borough of london um uh and they have one taco bell i've been there and uh it's exactly the same as american taco bell except it's really expensive uh a plain crunchy taco is a pound 35 which is outrageous those should be free that's disappointing <laughs> <laughs> donna do you have a go-to fast food order if i'm if i'm picking fast food we're going to jack in the box and i'm getting the one dollar taco whoa or is it two dollars? It might be more than a dollar now. Yeah, I'm all about that uh, double double meal with uh, fries, animal style. Full disclosure: I'm more of a Panda Express type guy. <laughs> yeah, Panda Express counts also. Uh, but before before we get too far into our food choices, um, let's see. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of reactions to Life Cereal, which just aired uh, when we're recording this. <laughs> Audience reactions. Dingo Action over on uh, Twitter said, not pictured, magic bone, in reference to my <laughs> drawing of Jonathan. Uh. <laughs> All right, let's find out what Double Me Palace is about, because uh, we're going to listen to the summary. The summary. Well, it's the middle of season six, and Buffy is broke. Broke emotionally, broke spiritually, broke romantically, and broke financially. With a house full of non-rent-paying witches and teenagers, 
Buffy has little choice but to embrace the dark side. The service industry. Ah, the Double Neat Palace. Home of festive uniforms, glassy-eyed co-workers, and the Double Meat Medley. The classic double-decker with a twist. A secret twist. A secret meaty twist. The work is grueling and dehumanizing, but it's not all bad. There's the nice older woman who comes in every day for a cherry pie and a coffee. Buffy gets to enjoy a free double meat medley with every shift, and double double meat medleys on double shifts. She even gets to have hateful alleyway nookie next to the garbage cans with her abusive vampire sex friend. But there is trouble in paradise. Cleaning up after a shift, Buffy finds a human finger in the ground beef. The double meat medley is people. Buffy spreads the gruesome news to the burger-chewing public, earning herself a pink slip in the process. In the end, Buffy learns a valuable lesson. You see, in the service industry, it isn't the corporate overlords who are the real enemy. It's the penis-headed customer demons who are truly to blame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do uh, Great Lines. <laughs> great Lines. So I loved uh, when Anya said um, to Buffy, we are here to support your subsistence level employment. Like so directly. And uh, she thinks she's being nice, but oh man, it's rough. It's rough when that, that truth comes out. <laughs> it's, it's raw. It's so raw. <laughs> Uh, I just love all of Manny's like quotes and these are quotes. He never says any of these things. So they're all just like these mysterious, you know, otherworldly, you know, uh, positive um, manager quotes. So this one from him, then it's, this is like a quote attribution to him from uh, the guy, the guy that disappears that might be funny at work. Uh, Levity is the time thief that picks the pocket of the company. (laughs) 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 Really at a fast food chain. Oh my gosh. What a what a nightmare world this is. <laughs> yeah. uh, I liked uh, Buffy's reaction to these kind of things. Of uh, his variety is the spice of bad. <laughs> um, I I really appreciated uh, Xander's just sort of world weary. Uh, I've been there, done that attitude towards fast food jobs. This is exactly how I respond to people talking about working in the food industry. Uh, Xander says, "Well, it's fast food. I have swum in these murky waters." There's the assorted creepiness. There's the staring. There's the enthusiastic not showing up at all. I think you're seeing demons where there's just life. Very relatable. Um, I th- I think my favorite line is um, when the, it's the big chaotic breakout and uh, the old lady goes, what about the cherry pie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, those are all good guys. You made, you've made good choices. Um, so let's do the kill count. So we had two humans, one demon, which was ground, uh, one soul crushed by minimum wage work, but no chicken <laughs> or cows killed in the making of this episode. Uh, so let's do uh, weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. And the first thing we're going to start with, um, Michael, I don't know if you want to play just as a segment of this because Buffy has to watch 
a training video at work. And my favorite training video I've ever seen was for a work I did not do, but it was the Wendy's grill skills. So I just want to play a little bit of that. Of that. <laughs> The grill bill, it ain't so tough. But first of all, you got to check your stuff. Like a grill that's set at 250 with the meat and cheese that's ready to go. A towel to keep your station looking cool. But most of all, you got to have your tool. Are you with me now? Get ready. We're gonna lay them down. Now, beats got grain to it just like wood. You got to follow the arrow to lay it down like you should. From the front to the back, you got to lay it down. Space it evenly, not scattered around. Next, you got to salt the meat from the back to the front to make the taste complete. Not too little, not too much. With a little finesse, you'll get the touch. <laughs> what? What is the, like, 90s, like... Uh, I guess training video here or PSA like terrible rap thing that like where they there was a moment when like somebody was just like heard rap music for the first time it was just like anyone can do it we'll use it for everything yeah I mean rap really hit the consciousness and then they were yeah. like this now applies to corporations <laughs> one of the one of the most brutal things to me in that episode is she watches that training video and then Manny clocks her in yeah fuck that it's fucked up fuck that, that is fucked up yep agree <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure that's illegal they, they should definitely be paying her for the training oh yeah. no it's definitely illegal doesn't mean it doesn't happen i remember watching a training video when i was a uh, grocery bag boy at stop and shop i feel like that was my like one of my first memories of like a of, like a corporate training video huh Best corporate training video I watched was uh, when I started working at Disney World, Walt Disney World in Florida, Ooh. and it's a it's multi-day um, session. But the training video, like, which is the story of Walt Disney and like like his life story, but intermixed with the story of the park, I like cried at the end, and like I couldn't understand why. <laughs> it's just they bring you through so many emotions so quickly. It's like up down, and you're making. I the mean, world I guess it place. is Disney, right? Like, if anybody yeah. knows how to like manipulate their employees through video production, it would be them. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Mickey, Mickey is there, too, I think because they use Mickey in that. And like Mickey is like underrepresented everywhere. And he has a strong pull on uh, Little Polly on like the Little Polly inside of me. They pulled out the little kid. They they forced the little kid inside of me to go to work. Yeah, that's what they did. Wow. That should be illegal. That's bring out your evil. inner child and force him to yeah. work. <laughs> I feel like that's a, a really great grounds for a, a, yeah, a child labor case. Inner child labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's truly a danger where we work. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. We're, I'm definitely like pulling those strings, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, Manny, the manager, is played by Brent Hinckley, who uh, is one of those guys who's been in a million things. He's been in um, Silence of the Lambs. He hit our like triumph, our our sci-fi trio of being in X Files and Star Trek. He's in Voyager. And then Buffy. Um, and I know he's in an episode of Psych, uh, which I think is why Travis is excited. <laughs> <laughs> We're all our own kind of nerd, aren't we? Well, it's interesting that you recognize him from there. For me, it looked like they just took Rick Moranis from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and just said like that. Give, do that. 
we can't yeah. get Rick Moranis. Sorry, because John Ritter's been on the show too, and for whatever reason, John Ritter, and Rick Moranis are just these like comedians of an age, like SNL types. And uh, anyway, that's what it looked like to me, and I was like, this is fantastic. I you I immediately get what he's up to. Just really great comic acting. Um. So uh, there's this thing where uh, she's like. He's like, Manny the manager. It's not a joke. It's my name. Um, <laughs> do you remember, uh, Michael, I know you were with me. Maybe uh, Dennis or Travis, you might have been there too. I don't remember specifically. When there was a, a Taco Bell in Dayton, Ohio, when we were in high school. And we went in there, and there's a sign that says manager. And, is, you know, the manager of this Taco Bell branch is D, D-E-E, Rector. D, Rector. And I pointed it out, and I'm like, that's hilarious. The manager's name is D Rector. And the person standing on the opposite side of the counter at the till was D Rector. And she was like, it's not funny. That's my name. <laughs> Do you remember this guys? Cause I, it was amazing. <laughs> and she was really like sick of hearing it clearly. Uh, dude, Do I don't, this? The, the payoff must've been so fast between the joke it was immediate. to payoff. It was like, holy shit. And I mean, I felt really bad cause she clearly like gets this like constantly. Yeah, and you're like an asshole high school student. I was clearly, yeah, the asshole kid. Must happen to her like every day. Rector. Poor, poor D. Rector. The only thing I remember about the Taco Bell in our high school years was that it had robotic trash cans. That, that was I, amazing. That I that feel like amazing. are not, that should be widespread, but are not widespread. And that is a failure. Yeah, it was great. You would like, you'd put, you'd, you'd put trash in there and it would automatically compact. And there was a robot voice that would tell you. It was like. Yum, would yum. say like compacting and it would oh my god it's just so sad that just tells you how far away you are from epcot it really does <laughs> what <laughs> is that like, normal in epcot epcot is the city of the future city of tomorrow right like they have you know robot trash cans would be the least of the experience but Dayton, <laughs> ohio is so far from a magical place that if you have a, like a trash can that's automated it's like sticks in your brain that's yeah, but this, like, is, this is the un, un, unanticipated, you know, consequence of Y2K. Y2K, I'm sure, killed those trash cans. And I, I don't know how to prove it. <laughs> I don't know how to prove it. But I, that's the only major thing that happened in that time period to prevent the spread of those robot trash cans. Instead Man, of compacting, I, they were expanding trash after that. I'm yeah. sure so much technology focused on sustainability was thrown out. Right. They're just like, get rid of it. Yeah. Um, the double meat palace hat is way too complicated and expensive to be worn by employees. Like it yeah. looks complicated. Yeah. I feel like this is like all a cliche that like started with maybe like fast times at Ridgemont high. They had like goofy fast food, fast food uniforms and that, but it's like not based on reality. Right. Well, it's the emotional truth yeah. of, uh, of the, of the fast food outfit. I mean, like, you know, like I definitely whenever I've had to wear a work uniform at a at a job like this, I have felt pretty ridiculous. Um, but uh, the the what the, the, the character, though, that that's on that hat, uh, I just want to like draw some attention to the the uh, if you look down there, I do has my only screenshot for this week um, is a I got a pretty good clean shot of the double meat palace mascot which is this weird amalgamated chicken cow creature. It's really pretty terrifying. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it has a name. I, I assume it does, but we don't know what the name is. Whoa, know? so chicken feet on the cow. It's right? got chicken feet, a rooster chicken tail? sort of feathers, yeah, and uh, but then it's a cow. And it's got wings. And it's pretty creepy. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's interesting because, like, I think the first thing, like, Chick-fil-A does with its cow mascots is remove their udders, right? Oh, because udders are unsettling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> too sexual. Too sexual. <laughs> <laughs> um, so according to a Joss Whedon interview, uh, this is the only episode of the show where sponsors threaten to pull their support because of, like, trashing on fast food the whole episode that's amazing <laughs> yeah all of the gore and all of the like other insane things this show has done and then they're like but you can't show people being depressed at fast food <laughs> yeah that makes sense i was realizing this episode very much dunks on like yeah corporate america in a way that others don't so that maybe that's what <laughs> yeah yeah, they came out. Yeah, coming at corporate America. <laughs> I've got to say that break that break room is just enormous. Like it is like <laughs> a TV. You know, we joke about Buffy's yes. apartment. Remember joking about Buffy's apartment in season three, episode one, Anne. Anne. Yeah. Yes. And how it's like this amazing apartment for someone who's on the run. Like this break room, like is so fantastical how about the fact that it exists i've yes. worked uh, in yes. a number of fast food places i've never seen a break room in a fast food place i've i've never once seen a break room yeah <laughs> or the lockers those lock the fact that they have lockers that's great yeah. uh d- have you guys watched uh sarah michelle geller's famous burger king ad do i look 20 percent smaller to you i must mcdonald's when i order a regular burger at mcdonald's they make it with 20% less meat than Burger King. Unbelievable. Luckily, I know perfect way to show McDonald's how I feel. I go to Burger King. Aren't you hungry for Burger King now? <laughs> so she's been working wow. fast food since she was four. Talk about uh, child labor laws. Yeah. this one, I guess this ad is kind of famous because McDonald's sued because they get name checked directly. <laughs> The time jump backwards is really hard. Time jump forwards, I can usually follow along, but I've spent too much time looking at Sarah Michelle in uh, you know ni- late '90s. This is tough. I see it a little bit in the eyes. <laughs> They're the only thing that's the same size. Um, the the moment, the the part where he's like, he gives he gives Buffy the the double meat medley, and he's like, eat it, eat it, <laughs> and uh, I just want to say it looks pretty good. Like it's got like some pretty good like fresh lettuce on there there's like a nice thick tomato slice on there i was ready to eat that i would have xandered that shit <laughs> <laughs> i don't know don't that chicken patty doesn't look yeah the chicken me. patty is gross <laughs> yeah that's true the chicken is gross but how, how irresponsible is it for him just to take a sandwich like waiting in queue and be like all right this is just gonna go missing <laughs> <laughs> i don't think this is one of those fresh to order places you know? yeah no so like i yeah. worked at burger king and the, the the system there which is disgusting uh is that uh you cook a certain amount of food sort of uh, ahead of time john before you continue hold on our sponsors check. our sponsors you know that right like they're big sponsors <laughs> don't name check them, man well yeah we may Bonker. lose burger king as a Bonker sponsor but, um, <laughs> but the food is kept in warming drawers which is a really disgusting phrase, just like warming drawers, which are these horrible plastic drawers that are like steamed. Uh, a nice steamed ham. Yeah. Really disgusting. I could talk more about uh, fast food. I'm not going to. Um, 
Poor Anya has to give exposition about her wedding in in the lobby of the Double Meat Palace. Like, how? <laughs> I I don't want to ruin anything, but like that's that's so sad. It's so <laughs> sad. It's so sad watching them talk about their wedding. Yeah, they're like twenty, right? I mean, yeah. Anya's like a thousand, eleven hundred, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I I watch it as an adult, and I think you are too young. <laughs> You're too young to plan like bridesmaids' dresses, or am I just being like a Bay Area native now and like, well, not native, but a Bay Area like acclimated adult who? Look, you don't get married till you're almost forty. Everybody knows that. Like, you don't have kids till you're in your fifties, and you use the intro fertilization. Everybody knows that. Doing it at twenty, come on. No wonder they're considering a burger place for yeah. you know, catering. Yeah, catering from a burger place does sound reasonable if you're getting married at twenty. Honestly, I never thought. Yeah, about now that. I feel like yeah. an elitist. <laughs> catering budget's got to be at least six grand. Everybody knows that. <laughs> That's cheap. I think the the two married people are having the most, getting the most out of this conversation. <laughs> oh wait, no, I'm sorry, John. You just didn't have a wedding. <laughs> well, you saved. You saved. You didn't have to pay for the burgers. It's true, but nobody. Uh, the flip side is uh, nobody bought me a KitchenAid. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying like it's it's like a fairly like. It, the, the, the scene doesn't play well because like no one cares about her wedding. And it's like in a fluorescent, you know, they're talking about in a fluorescent lobby and her like, you know, groom to be, it's just like chowing down on some burger. Like it all just feels uh, like not great. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I actually think it'd be fine if you had fast food at a wedding. I mean, 50% totally. of all marriages end anyway, so don't spend a lot on the food. 100% of all marriages end. <laughs> well, it just depends on the timing. <laughs> Depends on what your beliefs in the afterlife are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I just wanted to say that, like, although the 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 um, the double wheat medley did look kind of scrumptious earlier, I do really relate to, to Buffy uh, on her break. There's just like the there's the special hell of like working in a place like this and then being expected to also eat the food. Yeah. When you're on your break, I remember uh, my my again my brief stint at Burger King, um, just like being on my break and people being like, you get, now you get to eat this. And I've, I've been smelling it and like sweating over it for like six hours. You have to like, Oh, I get to eat it. And so like I had a 15 minute break and I remember I would spend it. I would spend seven and a half minutes. I would time myself spending seven and a half minutes walking in a straight line as far as I could away from Burger <laughs> King. And then walking back. It's just like, how do I get the maximum distance? And I, and like, the one thing they would have, the one thing they had there that I like actually wanted to consume. And it's like, I'm not a snob about food. Like I'll eat all kinds of gross things, but like after like being, having my face rubbed in it for that long, I just couldn't eat it, but I would get an orange juice and I would like chug an orange juice for some sugar. And then like seven and a half away, seven and a half back. <sighs> that was not a good, not a good place. <laughs> well, um, Xander is unusually dumb this episode. Uh, he's full on Jughead. Grabbing that burger. <laughs> I mean, we've made that comparison not Riverdale Jughead. <laughs> no. Archie Comics Jughead. Just like eating the burger as soon as it's handed to him. I mean, so they can get the joke in, right? They're just trying to get the jokes in. So he's got to eat it right away so they can question the contents rather than shoot another scene or whatever. Um, he's confused about what marriage is, right? Like, uh, there's like this really 
I guess sharp biting comment when uh, you know Willow's like, "Oh, you're going to be together forever." That means that money demon conversation is not ending. Like Xander knows that, but gives like a just beyond sad look, like "Ooh." And then um, when Buffy brings a burger back for analysis to see if it contains humans, um, again Jughead eats it right away, (laughs) like unapologetically (laughs) eats the the analysis burger. Uh, yeah, super dumb Xander this episode. He's apologetic about it eventually. Pretty good. Um, and wow, gosh, uh, Hallie or A.K. Halfrick, right? Uh, the bridesmaid to be, I assume, um, who shows up. The interrogation technique she pulls off on Anya. This is like switching ahead, I guess, a little bit. It's in- frightening how successful that is, but also like you're just seeing how drama can be created between uh tween friends just like snap where she's like just asking her questions about xander and like they come away with like you know it does turn into one biting comment where xander is like very critical of her right which he totally is uh (laughs) but the way it's pulled off is just that that conversation technique where it's like oh why would he why would uh, you think that about that you know like why would you know why would we get there like it's so simple this interrogation technique i'm just blown away by it um, I'm not doing a job recreating it because I'm also. Yeah, no, she has, she asks yeah. questions that are actually statements, right? Well, I when I um I took a conflict resolution class or seminar once, and um yeah, one of the first things they did was said that they said, "Why does like why does like the manager ask questions?" and it. It was, it's so that you can control the conversation. (laughs) And I was, and like, what you called it an interrogation, which makes sense. um, Because she is trying to get Anya, like, to spit out what, whatever it is to out herself, to, you know, say, um, yeah, frightening things about her relationship that she's just not aware of. Um, And then Halfrick can stay, like, like the neutral observer who's just asking. So like, I, part scene. of me takes Halfrick's side. I mean, I think when you have, it's cause uh, you're like, so anti I mean, Well, right. I mean, like it is, it is. I mean, I feel like though, that like there's, there's a, there's an optics here that's kind of uncomfortable, which is that like, uh, Xander is, uh, made paranoid by the fact that his, uh, his fiance has female friends who can view him in a different light than he views himself. And I feel like, uh, you know, because we know Xander and we like, and because of the way the show is, is sort of put together, we, we automatically take Xander's side in this, but like viewed from a little bit different lens. Like I feel like Halford could kind of be almost be could Halford could theoretically be the hero here and like helping her friend deal with a, uh, kind of like, you know, borderline, uh, you know, not healthy relationship and, and trying to help her friend. I, I just like, I, I, I don't want to, uh, automatically dismiss what she's trying to do here, which is like, are you sure you want to marry this guy? Because he's trying to change you is I think in real life, nine times out of 10, that would be, she like, how would be the good guy. Um, I mean, it's only because of the, the Buffy, uh, you know, premise of like oh yeah the thing he's trying to change about you is is like evil doing 
that which is not a real thing in the real world, right? Uh, it's only because of that that like uh, we want to take uh, Xander's side in this. So I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's a thing that friends do. Is like, have you ever noticed how your partner is trying to constantly correct you and change you? Maybe you should think about that. Hmm. Hmm. It is funny that uh, Xander points out that uh, nobody, nobody in this main Buffy timeline has seen Anya's uh, demon face. Yeah. And, I forgot uh, about that. Uh, we have seen that a- this actress who plays Halfrick before. Uh, she plays, um, what's her name? Cecily in uh, Spike's flashback. Do you remember that, Michael? Guys, no, I don't at all. No, this is I don't remember it either. I don't know what the hell Dennis right? is talking about. <laughs> yeah, when uh when um Spike tells his origin story and there's the girl yeah. he writes the poetry to. Oh, that's her? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, same wow. actress. Wow. But we never see her out of Oh, her that's why they makeup. don't show her face. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, and, uh, so I just, Don's super rough assessment of her own sister's prospect. Like I've been very much on Don's side during this rewatch, but that made me like very angry at her. Cause it was like, first of all, fuck you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like secondly, like Xander points out, Buffy's doing other amazing things. Uh, and just cause you're working fast food now doesn't mean that's your whole life, which I think yeah. we'll get into later. But it definitely gave me flashbacks to how my brother saw me at this age, um, which is I found when I was in college or dropped out of college more accurately. I found like an assignment my brother had written about about the family. And he wrote me off as like this like stoner who is never going to get out of a minimum wage job. (laughs) You know, (laughs) look who's got a job now, buddy. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. (laughs) <laughs> well and just yeah. like i mean just how much that devalues people who work those kinds of jobs i mean like you know oh, yeah. like, i mean like that that you're not a complete person or you're not a successful person if if you're not recognized as a successful person through employment is a is a fucked yeah. up thing we do to For, people yeah the first there's no there's no shame in having this type of job yeah and uh yeah we can get into that <laughs> if we want to but I just got me like really mad at Don for a second who usually I'm pretty like, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I think most of us have had some sort of service type job, although it's, you know, the details vary. I think that's very American. Uh, I worked at, you know, the mowing lawns and as a lifeguard, then as a grocery bag person, you know, uh, I think, I mean, I had never worked in a fast food industry, but you know, I think that's just so such like a, like a unifying job that we've all probably had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was speaking how of how they get I, to eat you. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to react next here to, um, I think we all kind of have PTSD about our service careers as well. So that's where this show, this episode is great at bringing that out. Um, Manny, when he's telling Buffy that she's working more hours, um, because, uh, you know, someone disappeared, right. Like, and they don't have the grinder boys or whatever it is aren't in that day. Yep. Like, I just had grinder PTSD boys. from that. Like, nothing had gotten to me so far about that episode. But that moment, I'm like, yeah, fuck you. You know, I'm like, fuck you to something that happened 20 years ago. You know, it's <laughs> yep. just like, oh, yeah, when I get an extra shift. Like, I don't want an extra shift. I'm working the bare minimum of this bad job because I just want to get through. I'm not I'm not doing this to, to clock in all the hours. Like, yeah, but yeah I, I worked ever- at 
Working turn down an extra shift and then the manager gives you the like i'm just looking out for you i'm just trying to get you more money <sighs> well just this technique yes. that i've never had in any other job where the manager gives you more hours right and just like they're giving you a gift right versus it's not like oh do would you mind it's like hey uh you're gonna work another eight hours after this one i'm like uh what about my plans and stuff it's like like you're 20 you have no plans <laughs> this, is what, this is what you're doing uh but just that attitude as a manager i'm just the just horrific anyway i had ptsd to having that happen at wendy's for me um so and wendy's is pretty close approximation of this burger palace experience um except the walk-in cooler um that's a place to get high it's not a scary place okay? <laughs> I don't know why that's where you escape that that's where you escape to chill out man chill literally, out. literally literally the only time i've gotten high at work you know wendy's and with a manager, right? I mean, just really, just the level oh, of competence yeah. that is required to run that thing. It's mostly like just trying to get people not to rage quit. <laughs> you know what we should do right at the end of this episode is like everybody just lists their like national chains they worked for just <laughs> to like as our sponsorship of Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, uh, before we do that, Donna, you got the next one. Oh, um, I loved how they're trying to play spike as um the boyfriend by giving him that nice sweater yeah, it's funny it's funny to see his like <laughs> the little bit of wardrobe change he he gets like because he got that sweater and he got like a gold chain <laughs> like, all right is this softening him what is it i don't know but what do you- <laughs> right it reminded me of um at the end of that last star wars when they um <laughs> did you guys all see that Last yeah. Star Wars. Okay, I don't really want to spoil it, but please you. do. It's totally Ben oh, Solo's. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. They um really sell. They sell um. What's his name? Yeah, Ben. Ben Solo. He goes from Kylo Ren to Ben Solo. Yeah. Based on a wardrobe change. Yeah, they give him a boyfriend sweater. Um, <laughs> and so suddenly he hasn't been trying to kill you for the last <laughs> two movies, three and two and a half movies. Oh, man. Kylo Ren is totally a spike, isn't he? Very. I'm very into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of spike, while we're there, I mean, just that uh, on the clock sex in the alley was so deeply sad, sad sex. She doesn't even in... look like she enjoys it. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's just escapism. That's just like. uh mm. Disasso- full disassociation sex, right? Yeah. I mean, it's in the alleyway by the like where the trash goes, right? Like, do they are they not allowed to have sex in a bed? I mean, I guess which is invisible. I guess not, right? They're but in trash, it's like, yeah, they really try to are they're really trying to drive in that this is a bad relationship, which kind of just sucks. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not nearly as hot as like the episode that. Dennis um referred to the in season five that that connection is just like really intense but you know in season six like they kill the whole like vibe between them and so you're like it's hard to get into it's crazy though that they don't uh uh they apparently have gotten better about not breaking things they don't tear down the whole double meat palace during their bone session uh. <laughs> that is a <Bonus>. choice session <laughs> um, 
Okay, one one other thing we should get to before I know you're going to talk about the monster. So it's just the Amy the rat uh, coming back. Oh for yeah, we her, should talk about that. Yeah, coming back for her cage, but also uh, getting Willow high um, because the writers have PTSD about uh, getting high in high school or something or college, and so they're bringing that back on us. What do people think about that getting high scene uh, and like how that plays out? I mean, it's definitely built to like you feel really bad for Willow. She there's no consent there. Right. Um, oh right, she doesn't consent. Yeah, I am also like, what kind of spell is this even? They, like they call it a spell, but like, what is it? Like, what is also, it? Also, like, what's the, what's the real life analog for this? Of like, somebody comes over to your house and like, like hot box shoves you crack in your face. Like, I don't dude, <laughs> dude, this is the mo- this is the episode that inspired Training Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, what felt real about that to me is that I think there is an element of not all, but some drug people, which needs everyone to be high. Yeah. Uh, and like, that's something that I find on like, and again, not all, but just some people who are into drugs can be really difficult to be around because they just need everyone to be high all the time. So, and I, I do think that that connects with a little bit of like shame and needing everybody to have the same level of shame as you. Um, so that part of that part felt real. Um, I also uh, feel a little for Amy when she's like, oh, I don't know, because I was not being turned into a human for four years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like right, oh, right now, like, OK, Willow not only didn't change me back for for years, but is now abandoning me. And like. She's like one, my only high school friend and she's abandoning me. Uh, so yeah. I get that. Yeah. And I mean, you got you do got to feel bad for Amy because uh, at some point she must have found out that like she brought. Buffy back from the dead. It's like, well, if you can do that, yeah, <laughs> you did that first. Yeah, but you're you're talking about a resentment that Amy doesn't say out loud, right? So right. if it's implied, maybe, but it's not explicit. Like Amy Isn't appears it, to be. I mean, she does say something about the rat. She yeah. says it about it to, in this episode, but it's been implied up to this up to now. I mean, I feel like uh, it's pretty explicit in this episode. Disneyland without the lines, dude. <laughs> I think like like the the effect was weird, where she touched things and they would flop. Or disintegrate, right? Yeah. That was kind of a... That was a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did she get out of the house? <laughs> Can't touch the door. That's like what you imagine being high could be like, right? <laughs> Just like touching things and they melt. Yeah. <laughs> but they're actually melting, dude. <laughs> uh, Don't worry, it's a hallucination. Anyway, I just wanted to bring it up briefly because it's it's kind of yeah. weird, um, but they're still playing this uh, theme of, you know, high, uh, like magic is drugs. We're st- we're not done with this. Yeah. And, and Willow's struggle this whole episode. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I just wanted to let's talk about this insane monster of the week, which is <laughs> the giant penis that comes out of the wig lady's head. And <laughs> then Willow chops it up and grinds it. I'm like, okay, this feels to me like a whole different episode than like, <laughs> than like your double meat, like Soylent Green episode. And like the whole thing of like having the lesbian grind up the penis is like, oh. am I watching a trauma movie now? Like, <laughs> and it's almost like, like they spend, it's so grotesque and then it's so explicit, but they spend so little time on it that I'm like, is this even on purpose? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I want like 
I think this is the reason a lot of people hate this episode, but I want more time on it. I want like, <laughs> like this to me is like a larger, like a larger, the weird thing is it's wasted. It's like spent five minutes on it. No, 15 minutes, 15 minutes minimum. It's a good monster, but the bait and switch is just so intense this episode because we yeah. are all in on Soylent Green stories. The finger, you know, yeah. that's left to be the, you know, Manny is missing. Employees are missing. And like the fact, I mean, it's fine. You know, it's a monster show. Just do it. But Manny's been there 10 years, right? And then <laughs> yeah, he's suddenly he gone. Yeah. That just means this penis monster moved in like three weeks ago, right? And started <laughs> eating people. And like, the suspicions around food having weird shit in it always present. And like, that's right. what they're playing with this idea that it seems like stuff is up and it's not, but like, anyway, I was, it's Remember the urban legend about Taco Bell and kangaroo meat. Yeah. Well, no, no. that was real, right? No. <laughs> in Australia no. It was real, right? We're losing all the sponsors. <laughs> well, now I have to Google this. What's the, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Snopes it. Well, they, they did find that they, they so in, investigative journalists have, have looked at the meat content uh, of, of fast food restaurants, including Subway. And, and they have found out that the chicken at Subway has had added soy protein. And so there was this controversy of the meat content of Taco Bell. Right. The Taco Bell firmly like denies. A high, a high enough percentage of beef to be called ground beef, right? It was something right. of that nature, yes. Right, because it um, contains TVP, right? Textured vegetable protein, which they use right. to beef up the beef, right? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, the, the, the point I'm making about the monster's sudden appearance was just yeah. like how, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's just a bait and switch. And, yeah. um, because they enjoyed the idea, like it's not, it doesn't feel related to the monster is not related to the content of this episode. And it's, it's yeah. sad cause it's such a good monster. Whoever designed that monster also in season five designed that egg monster that, uh, Don steals the eggs. Cause that's also got a penis head. That's awesome. I mean, this penis said even squirts a paralyzing ejaculate on people. Like, it's so insane. Right, it makes the lesbian (laughs) scream, right? Like, she has to get out of the way of it, right? But it has, um, like, a spine. It has, like, C. It has C vertebrae. It's a a great cross-section. So I definitely give props to when, like, they cut off the head or neck. I mean, you can see like the vertebrae perfectly with the muscles. I mean, it, it looks great. So it's more of a neck than a, you know what? Yeah. Um, but. With a, with a spongy but, head. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I was, it <laughs> Wait, seems totally I, wasted. I, Dennis, I think I can loosely tie it together, but I do agree that it is messy. <laughs> <laughs> the monster is a penis, which is very literal as like representation of the man as like corporations. And so um, the it's not a total it is a pivot, but I think the general vibe of the entire uh, double meat palace being like sucking your life energy drones like you disappear. No one looks for you. It's normal. Um like that is still the bad thing. And then right. they just turn it into like the customer is also part of like the man. And then, uh, <laughs> I don't know, very loose. <laughs> they didn't think about it that, that strongly, but yeah, I, I would say it's less about sex and more about, um, or like less about the orientation thing. 
and more about like who's in power chopping it off and then because the manager's replaced by a woman who's like only five years you're sort of like thinking like um there's this strange like feminism that they're trying to like present but i i mean i can't really articulate more than like (laughs) well you guys keep working I mean, the fact that she's still working there at the end of the episode, I think, is one of the most upsetting things about it. Like, I think that's what really feels, like, horrible about it. It's like, in spite of everything, she can't, she still needs a job. Like, nothing's changed. And that that spoke to me, like, the, the sort of the futility feeling of jobs like that. It's like, no matter how much bullshit you put up with, you still have to keep going in the next day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, was, that was nice on-the-fly analysis, guys. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, clearly, I mean, Don, it's right. That can go a lot deeper. I, there's something there for sure. It's just on this first watch, it's so hard to pull that stuff out. But if you, it's also like it's there, but it's, it's, there's, there's stuff that's missing. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be a, there's a stuff that's uh, missing. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. the PhDs watching this episode can pull it together. All right. They're going to do it. <laughs> they're going to be able to finish their thesis. Let's get Yeah. The, I think because yeah. Jane Espenson, she, she had something in her mind, right? And she was just trying to, she was like, well, it's a light filler episode. <laughs> Let me just like trash on working at these industries and uh, yeah, make an awesome like penis that you can cut off at the end. <laughs> I, I do kind of miss that season two. It was season two, right? When Trick drove through the fast food restaurant and like grabbed a human out of the drive through and is like to go or whatever he's talking about. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of wish like trick was still around up to his hijinks with the fast food restaurants, but <laughs> we all miss trick. So, so, Donna, what you just said though, like about like, it sounds like feminist fantasy stories should end with the penis being cut off. Right. That's like how. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Often. But once the once it gets cut off and the woman's in charge, nothing changes, right? Oh, yeah. right. Still. Yeah, that's like the the real like burn. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Because we can't say it doesn't if your change. Power, if your power fantasy isn't intersectional, then is it really <laughs> a change, right? Or, or right. there's also something to the like the fact that the there the the meat is actually vegetables. There's something to that that like the oh the, gosh. The I don't know that the, the no, worst no. thing is fine, dude. It's all in sexual politics of meat, which I started reading this past week because of um, your oh, uh, did you? implicit recommendation from Life Serial because of Andrew's T-shirt, whatever. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. If if this is there's a sexual politics of meat read on this one for sure, which is that uh, meat is masculine, right? Um, and there's tons right. of examples. So meat is masculine, and vegetables are feminine, right? Uh, eating meat is um, a ma- uh, like a masculine choice. So in the fact that the meat is actually uh, feminine energy at the end, right? It's like, it's weaker. Uh, it's it's like, it's an interesting undermining story if the corporate power is actually weak, but masquerades as masculine. And then when they destroy the masculine monster <laughs> and then the, they reveal the truth, which is it's a, it's a female creature. Um, you know, that runs the thing afterwards. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely like a good male, female, uh, food story. (laughs) Uh, That book's terrifying though. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I read little bits of it when we were, when I was researching for that episode. Um, but I didn't uh, really sit down and give it a proper read. 
I'm glad you're reading it. Uh, glad someone is. It seemed really interesting. Awesome, guys. I think that was themes. Uh, yeah, maybe. But let's uh, let's jump to questions for the group, though. Questions for the group. Why didn't anyone stop Buffy from taking the job at Double Meat Palace? Because there's no better options. It's not like Buffy's like swimming in choices. Everyone knows Buffy needs a job. She didn't do well at the construction work thing. Uh, you know, she got turned down for the loan uh, by the bank. I feel nobody is going to stop her because nobody has any better ideas. So this it's, is the worst job she can have, right? This is the, yeah. the bottom job? That's what, that's what they imply. It is frustrating that, like, Spike is the only one who's like, you're better than this, right? Everybody else yeah. is like, you are this. <laughs> this, is your, <laughs> this is your level. Um, no. I mean, I Willow, also, Willow, like, won't step up to the plate and get a job, right? Because she's recovering from her addiction. Right. But, but Willow hadn't gotten a job yep. when she was still flying high. Yeah. Oh, God, Willow needs to be paying rent. Yeah, Willow is not contributing to the household income for, that she lives in. I mean, maybe, maybe we could we could imagine that behind the scenes, like, uh, you know, Willow's getting money from her mom on some level that, you know, for room and board. And that's going to pay for the house. But Bu- in Buffy some way. continually states this episode and yep. in previous episodes that there's no money coming in. No, it's true. No, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, you know, Willow's going through recovery. I mean, that like that's obviously really hard. And I, I don't want to be hard on her, but like, come on. You don't have to just because this is the job you're doing, like everybody around you doesn't have to treat it like if only they like knew someone, perhaps a foreign gentleman who recently came into a large amount of money who could help them out. There's always alchemy also. I'm just saying. (laughs) I had this fantasy that when Buffy like raided the trio's like uh, garage, she recovered the diamond. Oh, and then yeah. like, and I'm like, why are they worrying about money? They have the the largest diamond I've ever seen in the world. It's like Willow needs to Willow needs to pull out one last spell, one last spell before giving it up to cut that diamond to a hundred perfectly princess cut diamonds to sell on the black market. <laughs> That's it. One more job, last job. This is the last time. This is absolutely the last time we're going to use magic. Okay. Awesome. Um, my question was just like, would it's entirely theoretical because none of us have been a rat for like four years or whatever, but would you want to keep your rat cage? Despite all your rage? Yeah. Despite all my rage, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's good to have, uh, uh, souvenirs of places you've been, even if they aren't all pleasant. I think, um, I mean, that might be literally too traumatic though. I don't know. Yeah. It would be really interesting to just like, you know, people are like, so what did you do for college? And just point to the rat cage. (laughs) I think I think she should get a tattoo on her body. That's a rat cage, like replica of the cage that she was in. That's a good idea. Uh, Have you ever highlighted an entire page (laughs) while studying? Sometimes it's all important and, and, and you really just can't get away from that fact. But yeah, you you always recognize like the the ridiculousness when you flip page after page and it's like three fourths highlighted, three fourths highlighted, three fourths highlighted. Yeah. If everything is highlighted, nothing is highlighted. But you know, you right. have to ask yourself like, so which which part of the human body doesn't deserve a highlight, right? <laughs> like, right. we're we're not going to highlight this chapter about the kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> what have they done for you lately? 
but I definitely got triggered because I like, I miss like that, that, that concept of like, quote, learning without having to like, you know, to, to be like in a real learning mode where you're just reading and you're just bettering your mind, um, without, you know, in, in the way that college can be very, you know, very peaceful and very fruitful and, um, full of potential, uh, you know, I did, I got that, I, that triggered me, um, in this, in this fast food, uh, episode that triggered me so much when I just saw her reading and, and seeming to be happy and, and, and such, I was like, Oh, those are the days. So, uh, what, I just want to hear everybody, what is the worst job that you've ever had? And it might, doesn't have to be the worst, but what are the national cha- What are the chains you've worked for? But then yeah. also, yeah, what's the worst? I've worked for Pizza Hut Express, Chick-fil-A, and Taco John's. Um, you worked for a Taco John's? I worked for a Taco John's. What was that like? It was inside a cafeteria, so it was... Ooh, it's I like working at an airport Taco John's. It's like its own micro microcosm. Yeah. I was not good at scooping the proper amount of beans. I kept giving people too many beans, and people and bosses complained about the bean about the bean usage. I think the worst job I've ever had was uh, for a cafeteria, being the dishwasher, being the like um, busboy dishwasher, because I had to degrease the machine twice a day. But that was a nightmare. I have my national chains. I've worked for. Uh, I worked for. Burger King and uh, Subway. I worked at a KB Toys, which is not a food place, but it's a national chain. And uh, I worked at Marion's Pizza, which is definitely not a uh, national chain, but people from the Dayton area will recognize that. The worst place I you ever worked, worked at, at Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Oh, I did work so. at a Jimmy John's. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a lot of jobs. It's hard to remember them all. I did work at a Jimmy John's. Uh, what was the and place that fish and chip shop? Twinkies, yeah. right? That fish and chip the shop place, in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's not a chain. There's a place called the Park Slope Chip Shop, which is the English style chip shop uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, that's where you got I your visa for a hot minute. Yeah, that's where I got my visa. Yeah, um, it's where I learned that mushy peas are are gross. Um, uh, but my worst job, I think, was probably uh, working at the uh, there's a Tibetan restaurant in in Bloomington, um, which is. Uh, owned by the Dalai Lama's nephew, who is a real creep uh, and like local slumlord and a restaurateur. Um, and he, uh, I, working there was really horrible. Um, place was so dirty. I remember, cause I was a waiter and I remember like, the thing I remember the most like was that like, I had, you know, you, when you're a waiter, you got like your little waiter supplies, you got your like apron and your like your little book, you keep checks and stuff. And I would have to like brush off the cockroaches off the table to have room to put my stuff down on the table that was not great uh they uh the i remember remember coming back one time and the uh the guy the kitchen manager kept up he would like he'd be like he would carry a gun like (laughs) while working he would he'd be strapped but he also had a bb gun that he kept just for shooting rats in the kitchen (laughs) and i remember coming back one time because nobody ate there the place was always really slow it was the other thing it's like you're making like you know like three dollars an hour as like a, a server or whatever uh and that's like, where i went no, to prom that was my there's like no customers prom dinner. that was your prom dinner place is so horrible i remember going back there one time uh and uh the kitchen manager was sat on an upturned bucket with his bb gun pointed at the mouse hole just waiting <laughs> <laughs> just waiting that place was horrible that place is really disgusting this is my worst job <laughs> but the best stories worst job best stories a gun just for shooting rats. Yep. That's amazing. Separate from your real gun. 
Yeah, he had his nine millimeter up. for protection, but then he had his his his, his BB gun for the rats. The I feel rats. I feel Mike's gonna have like a, a better cap to this. So it's so my job. So say I worked uh, self-employed mowing lawns. Of course, that was my first first real job, and it was probably my best job to be quite honest. Um, and then I worked as a lifeguard, which was rewarding. Um, that job actually wasn't so terrible. Um, it was weird. I had the clock in and stuff. I had the, you know, the time cards, all that sort of jazz. Um, so actually being a lifeguard was pretty, was actually pretty, uh, pretty good, actually pretty, pretty decent. Um, <clears throat> worked as a bag boy, grocery bag boy for stop and shop. So that giant grocery chain in the, on the East coast, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, it's featured prominently in, um, what was that, that TV show with, uh, Peter Griffin, um, oh, family, family guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, that was an okay job. That wasn't too bad. Did you um, save any lives as a lifeguard? Uh, no, but I taught little kids how to swim. That was actually the funnest spot. Oh, that cool. was the funnest part because like kids both love and are terrified by water. Um, <laughs> um, but so that was actually a fun part of that job. Uh, but I didn't save any lives lifeguarding. And then I guess technically my worst job was washing um, like beakers and like doing like... Uh, uh, like washing laboratory instruments uh, when I was in college. Technically, that was a bad job just because there was like radioactivity around. Um, and then, then my shoe, <laughs> right? So technically, so it's like a weird, different thing. My shoes became radioactive and stuff. And there's different types of radioactivity, some that decay very quickly, well, relatively quickly, and some that, you know, last for, you know, thousands of years. In any event, I had, uh, I had to take, you know, I had to leave my shoes at work for a couple months until the radioactivity died down, obviously. Um, <laughs> So it's not gross, but it's just like quirky. And, uh, and then the rest of the jobs were just like professional jobs, which, which I know the smells and stuff don't, that the folks here may not really like. So, um, but anyways, so I, I don't really have any horrible fast food restaurant. I don't have any fast food experience. So. Donna, do you have fast food experience? Um, kind of, yeah. Um, so I also don't have that much yeah, fast food retail, but, uh, in college I was at, um, Cold Stone for, I don't know, six months <laughs> and I liked it. Um, and I think, yeah, I would say for me, the one that felt like the worst was when I worked at Borders when we lived in, um, Vermont. Um, it was like I worked for the cafe and it wasn't that the job itself was bad. It just really felt like um, we were the bad guys. Um, like I remember, <laughs> I remember watching the training video and like the first video was about how the employees are responsible for stealing from the company. Um, there was like a video about shrinkage which is when employees um, take books without paying for them or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just like, I guess we suck. Um, <laughs> the reason you're losing money. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, okay. it was itself. It was okay. It was just like, that, I think that's why I have a hard time with, um, yeah, Michael's first question, which is just that no one stops Buffy from taking the job because her friends are trash in this season. <laughs> they're just trash. Like, and there's just no way I can't even put the numbers together in my mind, like in any kind of realistic fashion. How, 
this doesn't take over Buffy's life and she supports three plus people. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there must still be some insurance money from uh, Joyce's passing. Or um, unemployment. Yeah, some t- right. <laughs> there's just no way. There's no way the Double Meat Palace uh, takes care of them. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, it's confusing because Giles gave her that giant check. Yeah, oh, so that's I think right. some of that money still exists, but a lot of it went into the hole that. I was just trashing and- Giles for not doing that. That's right. He did. He did help her out. I forgot about that. So it's funny to have all these jobs that you don't put on your resume, right? Like all the, <laughs> that's what all these jobs are, right? right. So yeah, yeah um, they don't, they don't go on my resume. So like the chains I worked for and I've worked a lot of jobs also, but, but the chains I worked for, uh, national amusements, which is a movie theater chain. And it's not a restaurant, but they do serve popcorn. So uh, kind of like a restaurant. Um, <laughs> so many stories from working at a movie theater um, that only showed Titanic at the mall. Um, <laughs> uh, but I also worked at a Wendy's, um, which was, yeah, I think where I said kind of gross. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, the UPS store worked at one of those a retail um, retail UPS store. Uh, Bed Bath and Beyond for a hot minute. Uh, I worked at Walt Disney World at Big River Brewing, so I actually did a had a restauranty job there, doing front house seating, like whatever seating stuff. And I worked at a Starbucks during the 2008 recession. Um, not bad. I don't know. Um, I want to trash on these chains a little bit because they're all kind of garbage in different ways, but. Um, you know, it's really, to me, it just comes down to the weird people and the way you're treated through different parts yeah. of your life. Because I found that I was treated worse when I was younger, which makes no sense. <laughs> Maybe I don't know if I was a trash person or not, but that was just weird, right? And, and also, like, I think when I was younger, I was more involved with the culture of those places, like what right. other employees were up to. Because, like, working at a movie theater, like, that was that's that was crazy in retrospect. I think in part because, like, I was under 18 and wanted to hang out with these people. Right. And like, so I met weird people through that, that working world (laughs) and like Buffy, like she's briefly kind of flirting with the idea of being friends with some people at work, but it's just kind of like shut down. No levity guys. This isn't fun because you work with all those weird people. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I don't think anything was that horrific. I don't know. I'm not like, I didn't, I wasn't shooting cockroaches. I mean, the worst stuff was just working for my family, working for my parents, which is not like not a resume job. That's always the worst because then it's like too much responsibility, no money, also unclear direction. And um, you're always wrong. It's the best. All right. Uh, Is that all the questions? And we've, I feel like we've tapped everything we want to tap on themes, right? Yeah. Uh, So let's move on to recommendations. Oh, Um, actually, before we do that, I just want to say like, can, what do people think about the fact that this is sometimes selected as the worst ever Buffy episode? Because I feel like it's not by any means the worst Buffy episode. I think it's way far from being the worst. This is the worst? Uh, according to some fan polls I've seen. I mean, I feel like the last two before it were worse. Yeah, in, Gone yeah, in and some ways. smashed yeah. or whatever. Yep. Right. I think it's just that the season itself is so rocky and like incoherent. Like you don't know what's coming and so it can feel disappointed but for me the rewatch i loved this episode um 
But I remember at the time hating it. But upon rewatch, I was like, oh, this is funny. This is supposed to be like fun. And it's like really critical against like this thing that could actually be relatable to people. Yeah, I felt it. I found it super relatable. Like, I've, yeah, the 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 whole the whole thing, everything in it, like especially like the the zonked out coworkers, like that felt really real. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, Who's the coworker just, with the tattoos? That's like, uh, yeah, that, that guy's perfect. He fucking nails it. He's yeah. like probably the most important sporting cast. When like, oh, Manny, I'm so, I'm so thought you like, guys were to ask that you guys were to ask me all these questions about earwax. And uh, <laughs> grease in the ears. Oh, that never right. came up. That never came up. Oh my God. Dr. Travis, we asked, will you please address the earwax plug and the little kit that you use to clean out your ears? Is any of that feasible or real in any way? I don't think the, the, gre- the, 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 gre- the grease getting into your ears, like for the vapors, I don't, I don't see. I don't see that. I've never, I've never seen that yet. Not yet, but not yet. So, but yeah, there, there, is, there is a little device that has, you, you fill up with water and then you put the bulb in, you squirt it in your ears to, to try to uh, rinse out earwax. But before that, you, you try to soften the earwax with, a, with a, this, this, this chemical. So, but that, no, that's real. That's real. And it's, um, yeah. Yeah, so that that part is real. So he, he's the process he said was right, but like the whole. Okay, you, I lo- you I never heard of anybody getting a grease buildup from working around a fire all day. <laughs> no, no, never happened. I mean, it seems like it could happen because, like, when you clean the things around yeah. the fryer in the whole vicinity, like everything gets like a good eighth inch of grease on it all the time. Yeah, yeah, it seems, seems like possible. It, <laughs> why wouldn't it collect in your ear? Yeah. Let's uh, move on to recommendations. Recommendations. Travis, I see you have a growing list. I have two recommendations. And the first recommendation is for a TV show called Psych. And I heard you pontificate about why would he recommend Psych? Was it this was it this Rick Moranis variant? No, <laughs> the Rick Moranis variant was not on Psych, but it was not one manager, but the other. It was the second manager. Um, at the very end, who's an amazing actress, just amazing actress, um, comedic, dramatic, ugh, fantastic. Her name is Kirsten Nelson, and uh, she's on Psych. She plays the chief of police on Psych. And uh, do not confuse her with the real-life horror horror of Kirsten Nielsen, who was the former Homeland Secretary, uh, who put kids in cages and liked it. And uh, so this is the good Kirsten Nelson. So she's amazing. Watch Psych. The second one I just thought of was Dogma, the movie. And uh, that's just because of the movie, movie The Golden Calf, uh, kind of like the weird fast food, more for a fast food situation, like fake fast food. So those are my recs. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to start off my rec uh, this week with Fast Food Nation, and I'm going to recommend the Rick Linklater movie based on the nonfiction novel about the... Um, Fast food about fast food nation about the uh, ins and outs from cow to eating of fast food. Uh, Rick Linklater made a movie of it in like what two thousand six or something. Yeah, uh, that's a weird watch. It's a weird watch. Um, it's got Wilmer Valderrama and Avril Lavigne, and I haven't seen it since it came out. But I remember at one point Wilmer Valderrama has to go into a meat grinder, right? Which is intense. Yes. Um, but Rick Linklater is a, a, a director that we're fans of. Um, this is not one of his. Not one of his best. But, you know, whatever. 
It fits yeah. the theme of this episode. Uh, uh, fun fact, a uh, friend of uh, Dennis and mine, uh, uh, Dave Pruitt, uh, did the uh, graphic design on the first edition of the Fast Food Nation book. You're right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so get the book. <laughs> and try um, to get the first edition like a hipster. Come on, all you hipsters. Uh, I'm going to recommend the movie The Deadly Spawn from 83 uh, because it also has penis monsters that also go into a meat processor. Uh, and uh, we have to rec- uh, recognize Silent Green since this episode full on does a Silent Green moment. Um, I know we've recommended that on the show. Underrated before. movie. Really, like people think it's all a twist. It's all about the twist. But like, even if you know the twist, it's a good movie. Like it's a good 70s sci-fi movie. I, I really like Silent Green. Last time I watched it, I fell asleep. Um, yeah, it's a little slow, but the, like the, the best thing is like, um, there's a, there's a moment that I will never stop having feelings about, which is that there's, there's an older guy in the, in the film who dies in the film. And he's trying to explain to Charlton Heston, like that, his, that Charlton Heston's younger generation, although that sounds like a crazy thing to say, uh, <laughs> Charlton Heston's younger generation just does not understand what they're missing because they grew up in a world without nature and they grew up in a world after the world was destroyed. Like he just that they don't think like this younger generation doesn't even know what they're missing by being able to access forests and the natural world. And, uh, it sounds hokey, but it's a genuinely touching moment and has made me cry. I have cried watching Swinelight Green. I always think about the Saturday Night Live parody where yes. uh, Chris Farley, they do <laughs> all the big... silent cow flop is people. <laughs> I thought it was cow shit. <laughs> um, that is a sim- good sketch. Similar to uh, Travis recommending um, the movie, uh, the golden calf uh, uh, food franchise inside the Kevin Smith universe. Um, Quentin Tarantino has his food, has his fast food franchise inside his universe. Big Kahuna Burger. It's uh, apparently based on a real Hawaiian hamburger chain that apparently exists in L.A. or around Southern California. Really? I have to look up what it's actually called, but there's actually a real Hawaiian burger place. I mean, I've had a slice of pineapple on a burger before. It's pretty good. My maybe recommendation is Poultrygeist because it's appropriate to this uh, episode, but it's a trauma movie and it's um, a movie that we that <laughs> we actually I think it's like one of the few movies re- that was rejected from uh, the horror film fest. Uh, <laughs> the cinephile, whatever Dark Carnival Film Fest. Um, I don't think it was rejected. Oh, I thought it was. No, I, uh, my understanding was that, um, uh, Brenna Lee Roth was there to promote Poultry Geist. Yeah. And they were like, but why is she here? We're not even playing the movie. Yeah. I don't know if that was because it was rejected. I don't <laughs> okay. know. Maybe that's right. I don't know. It's been years, but yeah. <laughs> uh, the X-Files episode, Hungry, season seven, episode three, very excellent, uh, fast food monster also, um, this one uh, is more straightforward, but uh, a good X-Files episode. Um, and I'm going to rec- uh, recommend the real real life drive through Amy's drive through because it's uh, vegetarian drive through. Uh, so appropriate for this episode. All right. Uh, what happened in predictions this week? Virgin Predictions. This is going to be a fun discussion. Uh, 
So let's look at uh, Michael's current scores. Uh, Michael, currently your overall accuracy is a 63.88% and your accuracy for season six is a 72.09%. In terms of what we can confirm or deny for this episode, I found very little that uh, is actually addressed in this episode. I think it speaks to the uh, perhaps why this is a poorly regarded episode among the fans. It does seem to be a bit thrown in, in the sense that we don't really see it coming. It's tonally a little bit different than what is around it. Um, so the only prediction that I could really find to address here, and Dennis, feel free to look through and tell me if you can find, uh, okay, there's a couple here. Dennis has already highlighted one that uh, I wasn't prepared to talk about, but, uh, <laughs> In season three, episode nine, Michael predicted that there will be no more monsters who grant wishes you didn't know you were making. Well, here is Halfred, and she is, we know, a uh, vengeance demon on the same uh, sort of rank, uh, I suppose, as Anya was. Uh, this this prediction is a reference to Anya, uh, to Anyanka. So what do you guys think? Do you think we don't specifically see Halfred granting wishes uh, to anybody that they didn't know they were making, but she, we know that she does the same basic job. So do you think that this is anything? Do we just want to leave this one open for now? I feel like we just leave this one open for now. Yeah. I, I, I was I, grasping at straws. I didn't know of any predictions that we could bring up for this episode. <laughs> yeah. This, that was the only one I could think of. Um, but then I just found this other one, but, uh, okay. So season six, could, episode could, four. Yeah. Dennis uh, brings up that Michael predicted in uh, season six, episode four, that Michael predicted that there will be no debt forgiveness spells. Why did you bring this one up, Dennis? I mean, she's got a job she doesn't want. It seems like uh, there were no debt forgiveness spells. Ah, I see. So if that weren't confirmed, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm tempted to confirm that one on that basis. On the other hand, uh, there could be debt forgiveness spells in the future. And I think that uh, we understand that when, when Michael predicts that something will not happen, we kind of have to we, wait we until the to end of this and, and the very end of the show to really address it, unfortunately. So I feel like this one has to stay open as well because there may be debt forgiveness spells in the future. Uh, the famous uh, Buffy debt forgiveness spell episode. The bankruptcy spell. In season seven. Yeah. <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> So I think we, this has not happened, I think, in a long time, that there is no predictions to confirm or deny in this episode. I can't believe you never predicted Buffy will not work at a fast food restaurant. How many predictions do we have to? 566 predictions. All right, we're going to make five new predictions then. Um, Prediction one, Buffy will appear to work another shift at the Double Meat Palace. Now I say appear to work because she may show up there and be told, hey, we don't need you today. She may talk just to the manager, but she's going to appear to work another shift, Dumbly Pals. Because I thought about saying Buffy will work another shift, but I thought that also you guys would argue against it by saying that, like, she didn't technically work. She's not getting paid. Whatever the... <laughs> right. You yeah. know? If, if so a monster if we, attacked and she ran off or something. If, if, we, just, see Buff, if we see Buffy in, the, uh, in, her, in her Double Meat Pals uh, uniform, will that count? Yes. Can she we, will appear least, to work another shift. Yeah, so if she comes home during an episode wearing the uniform, we can say, okay, she's at work. She was at work. She, when she comes back, she says, just worked a double at that double meet. Yeah. Yeah, if you work a double at the double meet palace, is that a quadruple shift? Nope. That's a lot of patty. It's <laughs> a lot of lettuce. Uh, Hal Frick, a.k.a. Hallie, will have a toast at the wedding. She needs a little moment. She's a fun character. Presumably will be the bridesmaid, but... Um, 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't need to speculate on that because obviously Anya could, could pick Willow. Who knows? Probably not. Probably not. Um, Amy will get recruited by the trio. Has this happened yet? No. Okay. But uh, I think Amy uh, is a little cast off right now from Willow. Probably going to get recruited by the trio and F some things up. Um, this episode has a POV shot from the perspective of a victim being murdered. Uh, I'm going to call this, this is actually going to be called Dennis's curse. Uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> different from John's curse. Yeah. So Dennis's curse, we're going to see a person killed from the POV of the monster without seeing the monster. Yeah. I'm sure we've done this. Be- this has happened before this episode. I think it, it must've right. Well, in this episode, it happens to disguise the fact that an old woman is killing people with a penis that comes out of her head. So <laughs> it's all done for good reason. <laughs> and then the super prediction, uh, the double meat palace will not cater on and Xander's wedding. That's absurd. I'm totally going to take that. I'm going to take that point. There's no way. That would be a white trash wedding. That's not on, but it would save a bunch of money. Ugh. Anyway, super prediction. All in. Awesome. All right. Uh, Donna, where can people find your stuff, your comics? And give me two sentences on what your comics are about. My comics are on uh, com, and they're about birds, monkeys, food. And uh, I don't really have anything else to plug. Sorry, I, f- I didn't think about this. Um, <laughs> but I will say uh, Black Lives Matter and abolish the police. All right. Thank you. Uh, I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Dennis Comics. D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, I make monster comics. Uh, and thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us and, uh, we hope you're subscribing. We can watch, you can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin pod and Instagram is Buffy Virgin. We'll see you in hell. (laughs) 